Hello, this is Damien, the tall, friendly atheist dad. I hope you're having a great day, and welcome to the Tall, Friendly Atheist Dad podcast. Welcome to the Tall, Friendly, Atheist Dad podcast. Uh, This is the very first episode of 20 Questions, and it is my absolute pleasure to to welcome back uh, a friend of the Tall, Friendly, Atheist Dad, Lewis Ungert. Lewis, howdy. Howdy, and thank you so much for having me on, Damien. I'm excited, uh, your podcast. I've enjoyed the episode so far, and uh, thank you. Just thank you. Uh, looking looking forward to this. Twenty questions is uh, I'm on the edge of my seat. Uh, <laughs> no, but I, I, I promise you that there's no gotchas. The, these are just twenty <laughs> questions designed just to like stimulate conversation and get like get you to say what you want to say and all 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 that kind of stuff. Nice. So yeah, um, okay. and just and just on on the podcast, yeah, um, you may have noticed the last couple of episodes, I haven't criticized religion uh, one bit. Yeah, yeah, you were um, like your your name, the tall friendly atheist, is emphasize emphasis on the the friendly and and less on the atheist part. Well, there you go, because <laughs> I'm I'm more I'm more than what I don't believe in is the is go. the way way That's I look right. at it. So yeah, so anyway, so this will be uh, twenty questions. Uh, two to three minutes per question. Uh, supplemental questions will be asked just just to get more answers out of you, get you to say what you think. Um, cool. I prefer you. I prefer you not to ask the same question back to me because I'm you know, you're the guest and you know all that fair kind of enough. stuff. And yeah, maybe we'll enough. have a maybe we'll have a, a general discussion afterwards. So I'm going to hit my timer and hit okay. you with hit you with question one. Where on the political spectrum? Socially and economically, do you stand conservative or progressive, liberal or conservative, or whatever? Yeah. Tell, tell, tell me your political thoughts. Yeah, that is um, that's a good question. I my personal view is that I don't think those are the most helpful um, categories as a whole, just because I. And here's why I say that is if you ask someone what it meant to be, say, a Republican twenty years ago. Um, Mm -hmm. They would say they were for free trade, that they were for more kind of the robust muscular military. They would say they were um, against, uh, they were in favor of big corporations. They would say they were, um, they loved the Bush family. They they would say a lot of stuff like that, right? You ask those same questions to people who call themselves Republicans today, and almost all of those questions you would answer the opposite way. So, you know, a, a Republican and, and I would say myself included, I have some qualms about complete free trade. I think um, much of trade should be free, but I think there's also some some challenges there that can create that. I, I think it, it's, it's a more nuanced question than it used to be. And in terms of the military, uh, my personal views are very uh, minimalist military. I'm not in favor of any military action um, other than pure defensive military action yep um not a fan of the bush family not a fan of kind of traditional republicans um and so i think in that sense 20 years ago you know my views people would have called me a progressive now they call me a crazy you know crazy right-wing person so I, i'm not sure what <laughs> I, my my view on that so um but i i would say on i i i definitely have a nuanced view of things and 
And what I try to do is reflect on things from, I mean, you know, oh, hold on. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you one more minute. Okay. <laughs> no. But, um, I, I was, but I was going to ask the supplemental question. Sure. Is that because society has changed or is that because the definition of conservative versus progressive has changed? Um, I would say a little bit of both, right? So I think what you've had, in my opinion, is a big shift to the left of the Democratic Party in some areas on social mm-hmm. issues, and in some ways, a big shift to the right on other areas such as immigration, uh, mil- militarism, militarianism, and that kind of stuff. So like, I, I think the Democratic Party is quite different than it used to be. Yeah, but is, but is that because society in general has changed or is that because politics has changed? I think politics, that's my personal opinion, is is that, I mean, society has changed to a, to an extent. Um, but Ten seconds. I, okay. Yeah, I just think there's a lot of corruption in Washington and I think the Democratic Party has abandoned a lot of their own personal values in order to uh, to uh, cow to the to the uh, oh, special interests. Oh, there you go. Time Time's up. Very, very good answer. Okay, question two. Has immigration been good or bad for your country? Um, that's a that's a great question. Um, I would say some immigration has been good, um, mm-hmm. and I, I um, generally speaking, have been in favor of ordered legal immigration. Um, I think that it has the potential to be bad. Um, in that, I think if you, it's you know, if you look back on the history of a society. Um, and American society is, is, I would put this in this, this group, is if you take in some immigrants, but you also have a very high birth rate and you also have a very strong ordered culture um, that is able to bring in people and kind of integrate them into society, I think that the immigrants have a, have a, a wonderful opportunity to provide a lot of value to society. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when you have a very low birth rate, and um, a very weak culture, like I think we do in the United States and a lot of Western countries, I think it has the potential of bringing in immigrants that One don't, share, don't share religious history, don't share cultural history, don't share um, the same values. And um, th- as a result, you have a, in a democratic culture, you have an outside culture with very different values, very different priorities that start dictating to Isn't that that more Um, multiculturalism rather than immigration per se? Yes. I I mean, absolutely. I think the, the prevailing idea that we can um, just endlessly bring in people um, and multicultures within a a country and have everything work out multiculturalism um, I think is behind the idea that we can just bring in endless um, immigrants, but I, I don't think it works very well. And, and I think it it's exasperated, exasperated by immigration. Okay. Fair enough. That's a very interesting. And you got five seconds left. I, I love immigrants as human beings. I'm not hateful towards anyone. (laughs) Oh, there you go. Okay. Next, next question. Or the next series of questions. What were you doing five? What were you doing five years ago? Um, five years ago, I was writing a fictional book and was uh, working on my investments and my business and trying to uh, build uh, my family. and And my kids were a little bit younger then, and so I was spending a lot of time um, cleaning up and chasing after them and driving them around and that kind I'd, of stuff. I'd so, be surprised if your kids were older five years ago, but all right, that's uh, <laughs> what were you doing ten well, that- years ago? 
Um, 10 years ago, uh, I was a doing completely chicken. different stuff. So I was, I was in school. I was, uh, I, I have a, a numerous degrees. So I've got a business degree. I've got a mm-hmm. seminary degree. I've got yep. uh, a, a engineering degree. And so I, wow. I don't okay. remember which one of those I was working on, probably two of them at the same time, 10 years ago. And, wow. uh, okay. Yeah, so. You don't, you don't have enough in your plate, obviously. Well, I, once I got done with those, I, I said, I am done with the education thing. I'm not going to, not going to go back, but uh, Fair enough. yeah. Uh, so. What were you doing 20 years ago? 20 years ago, I was, let me think. 20 teenager. Years ago, no, not quite. Yeah, I was, really? Uh, really? but I was in college. Yeah. 20 years ago, I was in college. So, um, and uh, just kind of getting started there. So, okay. But were you always yeah. in Michigan? Or did you like move there recently or tell, tell me more on that? No, I've lived in the state my entire, uh, my entire life. So born and raised in, in Michigan mm-hmm. was, uh, uh, went to university here and, um, have just, uh, not gone far. It's a, I was just talking to somebody today. It's, um, Okay. Kind of 15, 15 seconds left. Yeah, you, your parents live here. Your family lives here. Your brothers and sisters live here. And it's, uh, it's hard to move out once, uh, once you've been born here. So it's, uh, I, I love Michigan, but I, I wouldn't mind moving someday if, if circumstances worked out. So. Oh, well, um, between, between both of us, uh, only one of us is, is governed by a somewhat conservative party. So you may want to come over here, Lewis. <laughs> at some stage, at some stage. Anyway, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> qu- question four: Describe your ideal job. My ideal job um, would be, in some ways, what I'm doing. Like I enjoy what I'm doing in terms of working mm-hmm. on investments and writing and um, just being in control of my own self. I don't like okay. the idea of having to work for a corporation. I'm, I mean, this is an area where I'm definitely not politically conservative or at least not traditionally conservative is I'm, mm-hmm. I'm pretty anti-corporation and um, I like the idea of being able to um, direct your own path and, and not have to worry about a boss um, telling you what to do or, or um, directing you around. And um, so that, that's my ideal job. So I guess I'm living the dream here, Damien. And uh, Fair enough. So, uh, so you're saying you're self-employed? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, same, same here. Um, nice. <laughs> bar- bar- barrel laughs. But yeah. um, it's got downsides for sure, but it is um, uh, giant upsides in terms of freedom and, and uh, flexibility. Um, yeah, but a lot more, lot more stress. And the way I see it is that you're you're free to succeed, but you're also free to fail. That's true. Well. Yep. And that's, yeah, uh, the, that, the buck stops with you, right? It does. It does. All right, cool. I'm going to let's go. Let's go to the next question. Let me reset on that. And number five is describe your most gruesome and or painful injury. Oh man. Well, I'll. I don't know if this classifies as an injury or not, but. Um, a few years ago, I had an infection in my leg. That okay. It didn't seem like that bad of a thing, uh, but I infection in my leg and um, I didn't do anything with it. I just seemed like it was a sore like area on my leg mm-hmm. and it almost killed me. So I ended up going to the hospital and like really? getting really close to death. Yeah. It was like, uh, I, I just waited too long. So to what, what, what and, uh, was it? Like what actually was it that, um, 
Um, they actually didn't know. I mean, there's a lot of things that can cause that, like a hair getting ingrown, or it can be uh, just a minor cut that, for whatever reason, gets infected, infected, or whatever. They weren't exactly sure what uh, what happened, but uh, it uh, it was the most painful, scary thing where I I truly felt like I was close to death. Yeah. Interesting. Very, very, very yeah. interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah, it was. I like. I looked at the nurse and. And in the moment, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna be all right, right?" And she she, she, did, she looked, didn't know. She looked at me and she's like, "Well, you're in the right place." <laughs> and I was in I was in the ICU. <laughs> you you de- you're definitely in the right place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, cool. All right, I'll move. To, I'll move to the next question. Describe your thoughts on the possibility of extraterrestrial life. Okay. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and something I've thought a lot about. Um. I believe that um, I, I don't believe as a Christian and just my understanding of s- the development of cells. And you and I have chatted about this a bit on, on Twitter, but um, mm-hmm. I don't believe that DNA can spontaneously develop at all. And especially not multiple times. I don't, I don't believe, and even I would say I, to some degree, agree with Richard Dawkins there, surprisingly, where he says this earth may be the only place DNA develops. So I don't believe like there's this natural process of we've got all these planets and therefore there must be a bunch of aliens. And even, even if there was, I think the odds of them coming to earth, I just don't, I don't believe it. But what I do believe is that I think that um, God tends to be a very creative God and he creates stuff in the water and he's created stuff all over the planet. And so I, with that in mind, I mean, I think it's entirely possible that he created stuff on other planets. I think it's entirely possible that there's other intelligent beings. I don't know how much you've read C.S. Lewis, uh, but C.S. Lewis talks about um, in his uh, space trilogy, he talks about other uh, planets having um beings that are good beings there. And so when I see all this stuff about UFOs and, and um, video of, of that, I've got mixed feelings. One is like, I find it interesting that every photo of a spaceship is grainy and far away. Which and looks like is, it was filmed on a potato. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just, that made sense like 30 years ago when nobody had cameras, but now everybody's walking with high definition cameras. And it just seems strange to me that nobody can get a good shot of any of these things. Um, on the other hand, like I think UFO just means unidentified flying object, and it could be all sorts of things. And I believe in the spiritual world or whatever. It could be a spirit. It could be Ten anything. Seconds. Like I, I don't know what it is. So like I, I don't doubt those experiences. So I'm not somebody that says that those aren't true. Like I think they they probably are seeing something, but I just well, I would say I up. interpret it differently. So fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Next question is: uh, Tell us a comically bad or tragic holiday experience. Oh man. Um, let me think. Um, comically bad holiday experience. Okay. Yeah. I got a good one. So I, we had, um, are, you sh- are you sure you got a good one? The, the <laughs> equivocal- I've got a good one. <laughs> um, we, uh, we had family over uh, my wife's family over, um, for a, uh, for a Christmas. This was probably 10 years ago. And, um, my brother-in-law started feeling sick. They were staying at our house and he started feeling sick and by they were staying for like a week. And by the end of the week, the entire household was like throwing up and in bed. And uh, so just, it was this miserable Christmas of everyone just sicker than dogs in the same house. Yikes. Uh, Great. Yeah. Yeah. That was a bummer, but 
hooray for food poisoning. I, I bet the weight loss that week would have been tremendous. That's true. Yeah. Usually Christmas, you put on 10 pounds. We probably all lost 10 pounds. <laughs> Fair enough. Thank you. All right. Let me. Uh, okay. Uh, question eight. Lame claim to fame. Uh, name either the most obscure celebrity you're, you've encountered or a celebrity or a celebrity who is a distant relative. You know, I have a weird thing where I have never met a celebrity. Okay. Um, and I don't think I'm related to any celebrities. I mean, I'm loosely, re- my family's English. So like, if you go back a hundred generations or whatever, Jeez. we've got, um, you know, we've got, uh, you know, princes and, and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. involved, but nobody close, you know, pretty much everybody does if you go back far enough, but um, nobody close within my thing. I, um, the, you know, sports star, we have teams here in Detroit. So I've waved to them and, you know, smile autographs back. and that kind of stuff but yeah okay. yeah yeah exactly but but never uh never a genuine meeting with any of them so no, fair enough. okay uh, and 9a uh name a famous person who has either commented like liked or follows you on social media okay yeah um the uh best i've had i've had interactions with um a couple of people that i really respect that are good authors um one semi funny one that I've had is I don't know how familiar you are with Nicholas Taleb, no. um, but I have read a lot of Nicholas Taleb. He's a really interesting art author. He wrote um, uh, black Swan fooled by randomness, uh, anti-fragile. And so I've had a lot of interactions with him on Twitter um, and he has liked my stuff and um, commented on my stuff and that kind of thing. Um, and then I kind of really broke with him over his views on COVID and he blocked, he blocked me. As a oh, no. <laughs> so I'm, I'm blocked by Taleb, <laughs> but uh, that's okay. I, uh, um, You'll he, he's very quick to, uh, to block. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, uh, it's a funny interaction with him. Though. Cool. No worries. Okay. Now it's time for the lightning round. I'm going to ask you a series of either or questions and you give me either or. Okay, ready, set, tea or coffee? Okay. Yes. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Pizza or lasagna? Coffee. Pizza. Okay, Apple or Samsung? Apple. Okay, Billie Eilish or Ariana Grande? Billie Eilish. Okay, McDonald's? <laughs> or, or neither, I would say. <laughs> Uh, when, you, when, you, when your daughter grows up, you will get all three. Trust me. Uh, McDonald's or Kentucky okay. Fried? Uh, McDonald's. Favorite Avenger? Oh, boy. I like Spider-Man. He's the best by far. Okay. Favorite character in the, in the Dark Knight trilogy? Ah, oh, man. I mean, I, I think I like that trilogy as a whole. I would say probably, I, I mean, the obvious one is just Batman, right? So he's okay. a cool character, but I, I like the Joker as well. So. Right. Favorite Smurf? You know, I never even watched the Smurfs. I, I have no connection to the Smurfs. The only one that I even could name is Papa Smurf. So I, I guess I'll say Papa, Papa Smurf. Papa Smurf. Yeah. <laughs> Dora or Diego? Diego. High five or the Wiggles? You know, I don't even know Pi Five. I don't even know what that is. Oh. Oh. 
<laughs> so I'll set the wig. I'll take it. Okay, good, good. That's, that's a good one. Okay, uh, UFC or bare knuckle fighting? UFC. Okay, would you prefer a luxury seven seater or a sports coupe? I would prefer a seven seater, luxury seven seater. Okay, uh, thank you for your answers, Lewis. That that finishes the lightning round. Okay, back nice. to the back to the. Oh, thank you. Um, back to the regular questions. Okay, question ten. If one of your favorite bands called you up on stage to play with them, what band would it be? What instrument? And assuming you had the requisite talent endowed magically to you on that spot, what song would yeah. you be playing? Okay. So I uh, love the Rolling Stones. Now I realize they're all like 80 years old, but mm-hmm. they're uh, a really cool band. I've seen them in concert a couple of times. Really? Okay. Um, so I would say the the Rolling Stones. And okay. uh, I played a few in I played a few instruments when I was in high school and mm-hmm. one is guitar, but I also played harmonica and piano a little bit and a little bit of drums. Um, so I would probably just out of competence, although if I magically had the talent, yeah, if, you had, if, you had the, if you had the talent on the yeah. spot as you walked up on stage, I'd probably do piano maybe. And, okay. Uh, and what song would I would be love to do. Uh, my favorite song by them probably is Gimme Shelter, which I think okay. is just maybe the best song by any band. But What, uh, what sy- Sympathy for the Devil doesn't do it for you? I do like that song, um, but I like Gimme Shelter a lot more. Okay, <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought you would have like a theological thing about Sympathy <laughs> for the Devil. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, I, I'm okay with this. <laughs> okay, quick question 11. What conspiracy theory or theories do you think are either true or have enough elements of truth to warrant questioning the official narrative? Oh, man, I believe in a lot of... I, I don't like to call them conspiracy theories because I, I think there's enough evidence where it's just like they're just theories that very well might be true. But I think the most obvious one that I hold to that I think almost everybody does is the idea that Jeffrey Epstein did not kill himself okay. and that he was a member of the, he was working in some way with the intelligence community, uh, both in the U S and in Israel. And okay. Could he, you, could you um, explain a bit more on that? Because obviously my, sure. my, my sheltered media experience over here. Yeah. yeah no, no. So, 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 yeah, so, 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 so tell me your thoughts on Jeffrey. Okay, so Jeffrey Epstein was the, I don't know if you know the the general outline for him, but he was basically running a prostitution ring using- Underage girls. Slightly underage girls. So what he would do is he'd start grooming them at 14, groom them for a couple of years until they were 16 or 17. And then when they were 17, he'd bring them to parties where he had fostered relationships with celebrities like Bill Clinton and just endless other celebrities, right? And then he would mix in adult prostitutes, so 18, 19-year-old girls. So there's 17-year-olds, 16, 17-year-olds mixed in with 18, 19-year-olds. He he rigged all the rooms with cameras. So he had all this blackmail information on them. Yeah. Now, so what's this guy doing? Where's this money come from? And when you start asking those questions and you start tracing where he got his first jobs, all those things, the CIA and Mossad, so CIA from the United States, Mossad from Israel, Israel. are all over his background. So like, for example, Ghislaine Maxwell, who is his partner in crime, she she is the daughter of a Mossad agent. Her father was um, Robert Maxwell. Robert Maxwell, who is famous for his um, 
his media empire, but he also oh, was a Lewis, he also was time is yeah. up, but I'm gonna add one more minute. Go okay, ahead. great. Well, he Go also um is known to have been part of um working for Mossad um when he had his funeral. Um, I think it was the prime minister of Israel said he has done more for Israel than we can ever say. So he definitely was involved in Mossad. There's been a lot of investigation to that D- died mysteriously. So in short, so, you, in short, you think he was killed by uh, corrupt influences. Sure. Yeah. And I, I think that there's intelligent agencies for a variety of countries work together, but anyway, I, I, in my mind, it's extremely clear. There's a lot more data. I actually wrote a whole article on it. Um, but I, I think it sounds like a crazy conspiracy theory, but when you start looking into it, it's like very obvious in my opinion. That's, okay. Uh, yeah. Fair enough. All right. Uh, next question is if you had the ear of your president or prime minister or political leader, what single one and only one rule policy or law would you want them to change on the spot? Yeah. Okay. So I think, um, man, there's so many important rules. Pick pick one. Yeah. Um, I would, I would say for me, if I could just buy fiat change one law, um, it would probably be the abortion issue where I view that as a true matter of life and death and uh, mm-hmm. would probably would probably um, create a pro-life law ending abortion in the United okay. States. Fair enough. Okay, let's go on to uh, question 13. What stereotype or stereotypes that people have of your city, state, or culture are sadly true? <laughs> um, so I... Yeah, that's a great question. I think, um, boy, um, I think when it comes to the United States, um, there are a lot of unfair stereotypes, but I'm trying to think of like real stereotypes that are are true. I think- Rednecks, Walmart, (laughs) high cost of education- um, high cost education is real. Um, yep. that, is, that is sadly true. Um, I, th- you know, I think the there are obviously rednecks and there's Walmart. I would say the whole corporate buying into the whole corporate culture. I think is is a very real um, thing that uh, that we have. Well, explain um, your thoughts on corporate culture because uh, your tweet this morning about Amazon was yeah. was interesting. Yeah. So this morning I I tweeted um, and also did a real brief podcast about Amazon and and why I I think that um, Americans in particular, and and from my travels to Europe, I think this is less true there, um, although it's probably becoming more true. But Americans in particular have um, completely allowed corporations to, um, big corporations to kind of- Set the narrative set the narrative for our culture, have an incredible amount of power. And actually, if you think about it, almost more power, maybe arguably more power than our government and the church. So, you know, you go back in history and the church and the state were the most powerful institutions. I would say you'd have a hard time arguing that today it's not actually the corporations. And I think in America, more than any other country, that's the case. Okay. And um, I, I think that's, that's a, from talking to people from other true. countries, I, I think people observe that, and I think it's absolutely true. Okay, fair enough. Thank you for your answer there. Okay, number <clears throat> number 14. Which futuristic movie scenario is the most likely to come true and why? Boy, um, I am uh, I'm both an optimist and a pessimist. Um, 
And I think that um, I, I hope for the best. And I, I, I think um, I, I want the best to come out, but I'm going to give you a terribly pessimistic answer. Sure. No, that's right. <laughs> so you, you, you give yeah, me your I think answer. When it comes to dystopia, um, I think we are dangerously close to moving in the direction. I don't think we're fully there yet, but in the no. direction of a, like a 1984 um, George Orwell yep. um, and I know that's a book, but they've also made a movie out of it. Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I, I believe that it's become yeah. part of the cultural zeitgeist. We, we say yeah, yeah. we know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think um, the, I, one of the chapters in my book talks about this, but the um, growth of technology has allowed us to do a lot of the stuff in that book mm-hmm. that were unthinkable when he wrote that book. And um, I think that there's a real risk that a lot of that uh, comes to fruition in society. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, thank you for your answer there. Okay, next question is, this is a bit of a long one, so bear, bear with me as I, this one is an ethical dilemma. Okay. So bear with me. Okay. A hacker is attempting to siphon funds out of a large multinational corporation. You, as an amateur detective, catch the man in the act and have a perfect chance to apprehend the man to stop the crime. But- you also know that this company has been ripping off the elderly, the indigenous, and other disadvantaged groups. Do you stop the robbery to keep the status quo and keep hundreds of people in jobs? Or let the hacker flee, which exposes the fraud that causes financial and corporate chaos? What would you uh, do? Yeah, I'm going to give an answer you wouldn't expect to come from a Christian, but I can try and explain it as best I can. And, and it's a good question. Um, I... You're going to abort him. <laughs> I know my, I'm, I think I've already brought up my concerns about corporations and I think there's legitimate concerns. And I, particularly if a corporation is acting in a flagrantly unethical way, mm-hmm. I would say, unless I have a legal responsibility to do something, yeah. I'm not going to go out of my way to protect that corporation. Okay, so but then, I, but but this is where the, this is where the dilemma comes in: is that if if the fraud if the fraud is exposed, the company goes through a lot of turmoil and people lose their jobs through through whatever mechanism that the company loses money, has to go through restructuring. So yep. on one hand, you're exposing a fraud, but then you're also potentially condemning people to financial hardship. Sure. Yeah, and I. I don't want to sound unsympathetic to that, no, but I no, will say from a, from a, I, I'm a believer in, in, you know, capitalism. And I believe that um, with the ending of any company, um, it opens the doors to other companies. And so I think, and hopefully more ethical, smaller companies run by, you know, sole proprietors or partnerships. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my hope is whatever service that company is, is, providing that they would be replaced by smaller, more ethical companies. All those people, all those people that lost jobs, hopefully would find new jobs very shortly after. Um, And, but I don't want to sound unsympathetic, but I also, I don't think perpetuating a very unethical large corporation in order to save the jobs of the people working there. I don't think that's a good thing. Actually, I would say to those people, if you know your corporation's doing that kind of stuff, you should quit. You know, you shouldn't, Nobody should be a part of a corporation that's doing bad stuff oh, like that. So. Great, great timing there. Okay, uh, question uh, question 16 is, within a 10-kilometer or five-mile radius of your residence, how many places of worship are there? What religion and, and denomination are they? And describe them. 
Boy, um, America has a lot of churches, Damien. So, yes. Uh, so we, get, uh, list them I, all out, I, buddy. You got two minutes. Yeah, I I would say we probably have within a five mile radius. I would say I, I'm going to give you a rough estimate. Sure, I'd probably sure. say 50 churches, probably within really a, a five mile radius. Um, yeah. Now keep in wow. mind, I'm near I'm near a fairly large city, um, and yep. There's a lot of churches there, so it's 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 not that many per capita population, but it's you know probably a lot of churches. I would say fifty. Um, what now? A lot of those are, what? Yeah, um, well, tell right, tell, tell so us more. But you got I would two say minutes. every denomination you can think of. We've got uh, a significant Muslim population in my uh, area, so a lot mm. of uh, um, a lot mosques. of uh, mosques, and then we've also got Jewish population. Yes, we've got. Uh, significant number of synagogues, mm-hmm. uh, but then pretty much every Christian denomination you can think of um, from Presbyterian to Methodist to Pentecostal um, Baptist to Pentecostal to Catholic to um, Eastern Orthodox. There's a couple of Eastern Orthodox churches. Do you, in town, do you have, so, do you have yeah. uh, Appalachian snake handlers? No, we don't. Not, Not that even. I know of, although I wish we did. I would be great <laughs> to go see that. <laughs> Just to spice things up a little bit. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, I I think there's the whole smorgasbord of, of possibilities. Uh, and that's kind of America in a nutshell. nutshell. There's a lot of religious possibilities here, which I think is in part why we are more tend to be more religious than other um, developed mm-hmm. countries. So Okay, fair enough. Okay, thank you very much for that. Now, these last few questions are specifically to do with, the, with religion, um, and I'm happy to give you uh, a bit more time to answer them. Uh, sure. Question 17. Why do you hold the religious? Why do you hold the religious position that you currently do? Yeah, good question. Um, so I um, think that why anybody holds any view is always very complicated, right? There's a, a uh, confirmation bias that we all have, where we um, are raised with a certain view and then we stick to it unless we're proven otherwise. And then um, other, you know, other there's facts, there's emotions, there's um, influences of friends and writers and all that stuff. So I think we, we all, myself included, have kind of a mess of things that cause us to follow what they do. Um, I would say if I had to say what I think are the most compelling truths of my religion, which happens to be a, a kind of a more a Protestant uh, reformed uh, Christian view, um, I think the most compelling elements to that are that a I believe there's overwhelming evidence for the existence of God. Um, I would say b I think there's a lot of evidence for the truth of uh, Scripture, particularly the New Testament. I think is very um, well supported from a historical um, support standpoint. Um, and then I would say for me personally. And I know this is not a proof for anybody else, but for me personally, I oh, have- So the question is, why do you, you, why do you yeah, hold yeah. this? So, right. So for me personally, I would say beyond that, um, I've personally experienced God, right? So like I've experienced him in prayer. I've experienced his work in my life. I've experienced um, him um, working in the lives of those around me. And so I would say beyond- those kind of intellectual proofs, there's an experiential proof that I can point to. I realize it's not compelling to other people, but like I can point to for my own self of, I trust God because I've experienced God. I know, I know he's there. So it's a less of a, 
know, people think of faith as kind of this leap in the dark. And for me, it's almost like, no, it's, I, I know oh. he's real. And, and I've experienced Lewis, would you like, would you like another minute? Um, yeah, I mean, I, okay, I don't, go. I don't know that I need a lot more time, but I, you know, the, those are, I would say the three areas. Um, I think there's good evidence for the existence of God, good evidence for the works of Jesus in the new Testament. Um, and I would say just from a personal experience standpoint, I've, uh, felt and know him. And those are the reasons why I'm a, a believer. Okay. Um, I, I, you know what, since I've got another minute here, let me just throw one other thing on top is I also um, think there is a beauty to Christianity that makes sense of the world in a way that I don't think atheism brings or from what I know of other religions that I don't think other religions bring. And so I, I think um, there's um C.S. Lewis in his uh, book, The Silver Chair, has a character called Puddleglum. And toward the end of, of uh, The Silver Chair, um, Puddleglum is, try there's a witch trying to convince Puddleglum that there's no, they're underground. And she's trying to convince them there's nothing but the underground. And he talks about the sun and she says, well, there's a light over there. I think you're confusing. You're just making the sun out of a light. And he says, he talks about a lion and she says, well, there's a cat over there. You're just, you're exaggerating the, the, the cat. And she is very convincing. She's like cast a spell on him and he stops and he says, well, even if what you're saying is true, I would prefer going on looking for the real world because if what you're saying is true, I have no desire to live anyway. I have no desire to be a part of this, um, that I want the beauty of the overworld, even if it's not there. I'd rather be searching for that than that. And that's kind of an argument from beauty. And I, I know that it's not like this logical argument, but I think it's a compelling argument of like, I feel like Christianity offers this thing that we all have this longing for. And I think that that desire in some ways, just like the desire for food points to food and the desire for say sex points to sex. I would say the desire for kind of this eternal wonder that Christianity offers in some ways points to that eternal wonder that Christianity offers. Okay. Very, very interesting answer. Okay. Next question. What religion denomination or religious doctrine makes you see red? <laughs> um, I, and it might be a flaw in me, but I don't get angry at other people for their views. I don't get angry um, at other religions. Um, I have friends. I mean, I consider you a friend. I have friends from a variety of different backgrounds and religions, and I rarely get upset. I will, as I'm talking, I realize there is one that yes, bothers sure. me. Sure. Um, that probably of all of them is the one that gets me going most worked up. And yeah. it, I would say it's when people take kind of Christianity and then they impose kind of the woke critical race theory on top of it, and then use that to manipulate other people to say, hey, you're not uh, look, genuinely- just just yeah. for gumbies like me. What is yeah, critical? Yeah. What is critical race theory? So critical for, race from, theory, from your perspective, yeah. So and it's it's an extremely complicated thing where, indeed, but indeed. The, you know, everybody's like, oh, you can't. Nobody can understand it unless you but study it, or if, whatever. If but make, yeah, if, if I had if to it, boil it down, right? if it makes so you see red, explain it to me. Yeah, if I had to boil it down, um, I would say it's the idea 
that there is widespread systemic racism in society and white people are all secretly racist. Um, On some level, white people are all racist and that the only way to get rid of racism, and you hear this term Mm anti-racism, the only true way to be anti-racist is to um, destroy whiteness and to destroy the systems and to radically modify the systems that are all racist, right? So it's this this kind of it, witch hunt. That's, that's just racism of, of, for the of, sake of racism, right? Yeah. So and well, I'm giving you another minute. Let's go. Yeah. That so that idea that and often what ends up happening is it gets tied to politics where it's if you're not in support, if you don't believe in critical race theory, you're the racist. Um, it's because you're a racist, right? So, or, or if you're not in support of this particular liberal policy of, okay, but how, how has that got, how has, how has that gotten into religion? Okay. So what has happened with religion is you, what you'll have is you'll have a pastor that will get up and he'll say, Jesus doesn't like racism. And the congregation all says, yeah, we agree. You know, he doesn't. And then he'll say, and because Jesus doesn't like racism, you need to support this socialist policy. (laughs) And if you don't, you're a racist and you're part of the problem. And they don't say it in exactly those words, but that's kind of the implication is that if you don't get behind whatever the liberal policy of the day is, whether it's uh, raising minimum wage whether it's uh, redistribution. I have shut the time off, by the way, so keep talking. um, Regardless of what, the um, political issue is if you don't support it. And you asked about immigration, for example, if you're not all for uh, creating citizens out of all those illegal immigrants, if you don't Mm -hmm. do that, then you're a racist. And if you're racist, then you're a sinner and you're no longer in good standing with God. So it's a, it's in my opinion, it's a way of bullying congregations, bullying Christians in order, trying to force them to vote and, act in in a kind of socialist liberal left-leaning okay. way but haven't um, you have, using this very flawed theory okay um, but haven't uh churches or religion in general haven't they used these kind of social issues as a as a way of enfor- enforcing orthodoxy throughout time like why um, is it what why is it a problem now uh as opposed yeah, so, to yeah so i think i think in my opinion i think there's a difference i my issue is is the the bait and switch right so the Mm -hmm. the issue is there's it's one thing to say jesus opposes racism and for the congregation to say yes we agree um it's another thing to say jesus opposes racism and this completely non sequitur thing is that's quasi related to do to deal with it right and i think that's quite different than saying for example Jesus opposes letting the hungry die, so let's collect food for the hungry, right? Okay. So, 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 uh, what, so what churches are, would you say, are guilty of pushing CRT as a way of, or what denominations or what, like what specific groups? You know, Damien, it is, I would say, in every denomination, it, really? including the conservative denominations, and theologically conservative even, even, like, even like the Southern right? Baptists so, or the IFB, even or... the Southern Southern Baptists have a big issue with that. I actually on my podcast had someone that's associated with. He's not in the Southern Baptist, uh, but he he has been in there before, and and 
interacts with them quite a bit. And he was mm-hmm. talking about some of the, uh, his name's Jacob Brunton, but he does a lot of uh, confronting of critical race theory within the church. And yeah, it's Southern Baptist as conservative denominations as you can get um, there. Uh, this, this uh, CRT is, is getting in, in there. Like and it. it, it's, I don't, it's weird as to why it's happening. I, you know, all I can think of is that it's a, um, uh, the cultural zeitgeist part of the cultural zeitgeist and and just getting in involved in everybody's lives so okay oh, fair enough that's a very very interesting answer okay uh, question 19 if there's one thing you could say to a person who doesn't share your religious belief that had the magical ability the magical ability to cut past barriers and convert them on the spot what would it be and why should it convert them yeah, man, I don't, I really don't believe there's a single thing for anybody. And I think um, in my own walk of faith, so like when I personally became a Christian, there was a, a variety of things and there was things that were specific to me that were not specific to other people. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but, let's, I, but let's, I, say you're, let's say you're in front of an atheist and there's like one sure. magical thing that you think should convert them. <laughs> What's that one yeah. magical thing? Um. You know, I, my personal opinion is that, and I, I think this is a biblical truth is that God will answer sincere prayers, um, seeking to know him. And so I would say, if I could only say one thing, it would be an encouragement for that atheist to sincerely ask God in prayer if he is there. And so, so, and, and, and to, um, be both receptive and patient in the answer. Um, and, and, you know, I, God is not, he, he's, he's a personal God, so he's not, uh, we can't just test him. Right. He's just like, I can't test you without you responding or whatever. Um, it's kind of up to you on how tweet, to respond. Tweet, but I would say tweet just, about ev- in, tw- if you tweet about evolution, you will test me and I will respond. <laughs> yeah. But I, so I, I think um, that if I had to say one thing, obviously that's not going to convert everybody. And, you know, I, there's a lot more I could say, but that would be if I only had a few, few moments in an elevator or whatever with somebody that <laughs> your elevator pitch for Christianity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So let's say, let's say I'm, I'm going, I've, I've turned the timer off. I want to expand on this a little bit more. Let's say yeah. you, you have a Muslim who, who's already familiar with, you know, the monotheistic doctrine. What would you say to them to get them to convert? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, when, when I, or, or a Jew or, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, ultimately I, I could say a similar thing to everybody. Right. I mm-hmm. just, you know, ultimately, it, you know, if I, one thing, you know, approach this whole thing with prayer, God is real. He can respond. Um, that would be, which I'm sure the Muslim or the Jew already right. knows. Sure. Yeah. Now with that being said, I think God can provide clarity, right? Like if you're, um, going down the wrong path religiously worshiping the wrong God or worshiping the wrong, the right God in the wrong way. Um, I think um, God can help you there as well. But with that being said, I mean, there's probably when talking to a Jewish person or talking to a Muslim, I most likely would focus on other things. Um, I think one thing I find extremely compelling about the Bible 
and about history is the resurrection of Jesus. Um, and I think there's very, very strong arguments for it being real and it's um, being substantial. And especially if someone's coming without rejecting the idea of miracles, um, I think it becomes extremely compelling at that point in time. I think atheists, it's a little harder to argue just because they're very skeptical of the possibility of a miracle happening. But if you're already on board with the idea that miracles can and do happen, um, I think the historical argument for the resurrection is, is very, very strong. Okay. Interesting. Thank you very much for your answer. And very last question. And again, I'm happy to turn the timer off to get into a bit of discussion. No matter how, no matter how the, no matter how strongly you hold to them, what would be the one thing that would change your religious beliefs? Um, I, I mean, that's a, that's a tough question in part because of what I mentioned earlier, where my yeah. faith is partially based on knowledge, right? Head knowledge, philosophy, um, history, my understanding of you know, science and, and, and the observed world, but it also is partially based on personal experience, right? Mm-hmm. Knowing God and experiencing God. And so it's, um, in my mind, a similar question to, you know, what would it take for you to not believe that your father existed or you know, a family member existed? And it is a tough question because you're like, no, I know, no, they exist. Um, so, I, you know, I think ultimately the, the test of faith is, um, would be so, you know, I, I think ultimately, obviously, I'm going to die someday and I'll find out then one way or the other. Um, I think before that, I don't know what, you know, I, I think, um, you know, the old statement is, you know, hey, if you found the, the bones of Jesus, you know, somewhere proving that he wasn't resurrected, that would destroy the Christian faith. But yeah, then yeah. there's always the question, are those really the bones and blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, yeah. you know, I so as Honestly, it's a really hard question to answer. Um, oh, I think, of course, and that's uh, you know, yeah. Anytime you're changing um, something that's so strongly held, that's I, I don't, I would doubt that it would be one thing. It would probably be a whole lot of things. But. Yeah, no, fair enough. That's a that's a very very considered answer. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, uh, Lewis, thank you, <laughs> thank you for playing twenty questions. This was a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully uh, my answers all made sense. <laughs> I was like, I, uh, I like it. I, I, like, I like the format. So it's cool. Well, look, I just wanted to get people thinking and talking. And um, yeah, it's like, you know, I know in our previous conversation, I'm still recording, by the way, um, in our previous conversations, it's been a lot more adversarial. You know, we've tried to like, we've, we've spoken over the top of each other and all that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> You know, and look, I actually kind of have you to thank because you've shown me like how podcasting works and how, how you do it and what what you can do with it. Yeah, and um, yeah, but I've realized that yeah, you know, like a lot of a lot of what we've done and a lot of what you do is adversarial and you know talking back and forth. Whereas I thought, yeah, I want to give people the opportunity to put their side out without confrontation and without um, yeah without yeah. challenge. And yeah, I didn't know you had multiple degrees. I didn't know you know. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and I think there's. Uh, I like it. I like the format. Um, I uh, I do like also like back and forth. Uh, but I think uh, I think a little bit of both is awesome. So I oh, think, fair uh, enough. But um, you were saying something before about the um, oh, there was there was a 
there's a point you were saying before about the uh, about the culture one of the stereotypes about your culture that are sadly true and i think uh one of the things you you mentioned later on was the fact that there there are so many churches around yeah which yeah. is like has jesus jumped the shark <laughs> Um, you mean in terms of why are there so many divisions within Christianity? Is that uh, one partly why, but also just um, like it, it almost looks like um, that the people who believe in Jesus the most can't quite make up their minds as to what God actually wants, what what positions He takes on certain what sure. He takes on certain, yeah. certain things. Like for example, if um, now I may be erroneous in this in this uh, assumption, but if there is one God who has one will and He wants to be worshipped in a particular way, and He holds uh, certain you know certain beliefs on certain positions, why do you then get this variety of doctrines between you know the Pentecostals and the Anglicans and the Roman Catholic yeah. Church yeah, and yeah. the Appalachian snake handlers and yep. you know all, yeah. all, all, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so my answer to that question, and, and is then we get that, to Mormonism and Jehovah's yeah. Witness and the Christadelphians, and you know, on sure. and on and on and on. Yeah, yeah. So my answer to that question is that I believe that when it comes to Christianity, um, there are big issues like mm -hmm. that. Ultimately, I would say are best defined by the creeds, right? So you have the Apostles' Creed, the yep. Athanasian Creed, the Nicene Creed, they kind of outline these big, big issues of the Trinity, of creation, of final judgment. Of, okay, but, but having uh, but having said that, for, um, not every Christian denomination is Trinitarian. You have Unitarian, Binitarian, for, you know, yeah. all, all that kind of stuff. So, so are you, is that an implication that these other, but all the non-Trinitarian denominations uh, are not following Jesus? Yes. So just to kind of sum up my personal thoughts yeah, on, on it is that I think every, every organization ultimately defines who's in, who's out. Right. So like if yes. you're a part of the, the socialist club of Aust Australia, right. Then you show up and you're like, actually, I love capitalism. They're going to kick you out. Right. Ultimately they, they have the right to decide who's in, who's out. Mm -hmm. Every club does, you know, if you're into soccer, you know, or uh, I guess, Soccer, football. yes. No, no, yeah, soccer. Yeah. Um, he said it but, right. Uh, um, if you're into soccer and you show up and, and you're in the, the fan club and, and you like the wrong team or whatever, they kick you out. So every every group gets to define who's in, who's out. Yep. And and as a matter of fact, I would say if you don't have a definition of who's in, who's out, you cease to be a group, right? So yep. you need some sort of definition of who's in, who's out to be a group. And I would say historically within Christianity, for almost our entire 2000 years, the creeds have functioned in that way, right? So I would say the, especially those major creeds I just listed have really defined the body of the church. And that's exactly what they were formulated to do is, is if you could recite those creeds, you were a Christian, if you couldn't, yeah, you yeah. weren't. And so it, with that in mind, I would say, um, there are differences within many of the Christian denominations, um, whether it's Pentecostal or, or uh, um, Presbyterian or Methodist. Um, but I would, I would define all of them as Christian and largely in agreement on most of the biggest issues. 
Um, and then I would say there's also groups that are, I would not define as Christian. Mormon would be one of them. Jehovah's Witness would be another. Mm-hmm. Um, Oneness Pentecostals would be another where I'd say there um, cannot be defined as Christian based on kind of that historic sociological marker that is uh, that is the uh, the creed. So. Interesting take. Well, Lewis, I'm going to let you have a great day. Thank you for your time. And yeah, I'm sure I'm sure we will be interacting at some stage in the next next however however time uh of online. course. Yeah. Yeah. Lewis. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, hey, thanks again, Damien. Appreciate you having me on and uh thanks for uh for the chance to answer these questions. No, I love you. Have a great week, buddy. Thank you. All right, you too. Hey, thanks. See if you want more thought provoking content, head over to the blog at www dot tall friendly atheist dad that's one word dot com that's www.tallfriendlyatheistdad.com check me out on twitter at tfa dad or head over to google books or the itunes store and pick up your e-copy of the best religion for the task at hand a response to creationism and why humanism is morally superior to the bible you'll love it Thank you for listening to the Tall Friendly Atheist Dad podcast. Have a great day. Have a great week. See you next time.